My name is Norman Kent. I would like to share with you my experience from the 2015 Vertical World Record 164-way. But I didn't want to start this world record without sharing what happened to me back then. We are absolutely delighted. We did hold the name back. We weren't 100% sure necessarily. We've been crossing our fingers and our toes, and we're thrilled to have uh, aerial cinematographer Norman Kent with us here today. Uh, Norman has worked for over 32 years in the field, most of them as a skydiving and aerial cinematographer, has done over 14,000 helmet camera jumps, has contributed to numerous feature films, commercials, television programs, documentaries. He was part of the one of the first two people to free fall 10,000 feet and land on the North Pole. He was involved, I believe, in both the 1988 and 1994 Olympics, if I have that right. Also involved in feature films such as Get Smart, Eraser, Cliffhanger, Terminal Velocity, Navy Seals, Star Trek Generations, and the one we're talking about today, Kingsman, The Secret Service. So it is an absolute delight to say hello to Norman Kent. Hello, Norman. Hello. How are you doing? I'm happy to be here. Super uh, uh, excited. I, you know, these kind of uh, talks are always open up so many beautiful subjects and things to go back in memory in and yeah. also to share the the experiences so it's a great opportunity and i appreciate you having me oh geez we're, we very much appreciate you, you making yeah, yourself available thank you I, I, I was wonderfully um flabbergasted fl- flabbergasted flattered when 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 you uh, expressed that you'd be willing to, to join us so thank you so much my, my first question is to come from me because i am the member of the group who does not fly well <laughs> which is ironic because i am the canadian living in england so i needed to get on a plane to get here but uh what uh, the, the the first part was always like i want to jump out of an airplane i'm like that that strikes me as being a bit nuts and we've talked about this in the past in the podcast I'd who would that, and yeah. who wouldn't so at what point do you go do that? And then at what point do you go, you know what, Even I'm a little bit bored with this. Let me strap a camera on my head and, and, and go <laughs> film somebody else as, as, as we go. How do you get started in that field? Well, I think uh, I should say that it's, it's never, my life has never been planned. <laughs> you can imagine that this is not something you go, oh, I think I'll pick this as a career. Uh, it's just something that happened. I've always shot from the hip. And, um, if basically, um, my, my photography started first, photography and cinematography at a very young age. When I was 14 years old, I was a part of an expedition. There was only three kids in the expedition. We, there was a crazy idea. We could go for hours talking about that. And I will someday. Mm-hmm. And, um, I have material photos and all that stuff. And in that expedition, the first expedition we did at 14, it was a disaster. One of them, the kids got malaria. Uh, we had to get out of there, get him out. We got lost in the jungle for several days, uh, finally found our way out, starving, uh, very dangerous. Uh, this is uh, seven kilometers away from any civilization, uh, descendants of the Maya uh, order of Guatemala and Mexico. And this is back in 1970 area. Uh, sounds right like a movie then. on its own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 well, it was actually. And, and, uh, and so then when I came out of there, I felt frustrated because we didn't complete our task, which was to live with the Indians and find uh, their ways, uh, find out more about them, help them with supplies and things and whatever we could uh, help them with as far as teaching and sharing our, our, our experiences. Instead, we kind of left there with, uh, you know, with our tails between our legs and, and our butts kicked. And 
So I swore that I would return, but that's when my photography started is because I, I wanted, to, it was this desire to share what I had seen and to share the beauty that I was seeing in this particular case of the Indians, the purity of the Indians living outside of civilization. They didn't even speak Spanish. They were completely isolated. And it was super interesting for me to, to look at that. So I, I swore I would be back. And when I got back, I got a, a $25 camera from a pawn shop where my aunt used to work at, a still camera, and a $25 movie camera, Super 8, um, and decided to start, uh, you know, figuring out how to use these devices uh, if, because I wanted to share this, this stuff. And uh, the first thing I did is instead of waving the camera around to see if it worked before I uh, proceeded to do anything else, I actually decided to create a little film. So I shot a little cowboy film with my siblings and <laughs> and uh, and cousins and stuff. We shot a little film in where everybody shoots at each other and everybody ends up dead at the end. So it was really <laughs> a funky, nice. funky little story which we can get into another time. But it was clear that I was into, uh, it got passionate about the photography right away. I Once I was able to fix the camera, which was broken, and, and we had to shoot that film again uh, and did edit it and everything. Uh, and I still have it. Um, so that then I was ready for the jungle. And I decided two years later at the age of 16 to go back there again. And uh, we found our way in. It was a miracle that we even found our way back in there into the same spot. It was now just myself and my girlfriend, a new girlfriend uh, who was not in my life at, in the first trip, during the first trip. And the other two guys were like, hell no, we're not going in there. <laughs> <laughs> And somehow I found my way in there. We found our way in there. And this time it was a success. We lived there for two, almost three months. Wow. And uh, learned some of their language, learned some of their ways, shot a lot of film, and did a little documentary on the jungle, on these, on these guys, on, on the descendants of the um, Mayan, the, the Lacandon Indians. I was, by the way, I was raised in Mexico. So this is kind of, it made it all a little more possible. Yeah. Mexico City is where I was living. So that's how my photography started, and this passion was totally in, in me. And um, uh, people that saw my film thought, even though it was super crude and very poorly made, um, that they felt that I had uh, potential, especially from somebody that had no schooling on it, on this subject. So uh, friends of my mom who were in the movie industry gave me my first job uh, at the age of uh, 17. Um in the film industry they were documentary makers and those guys the brothers which we are i consider them brothers they are brothers the two brothers that ran the company are like my brothers and they taught me everything i learned they were very thorough very uh, much into perfectionism very much into uh treating the film uh as a as an exquisite uh to make it so exquisite that the mind could then take the message whatever message you had to to deliver and I learned so many great things from them that I, I, I can never thank them enough for, for that. And that's how I became the filmmaker. Um, uh, and, you know, matured as a filmmaker. Um, of course, I was still 17 at the, at the time that I started that. But during working with them, I also met, and this is where the stories cross, met uh, one of the brothers had friends who were uh, skydivers for, for fun. And uh, I thought it was only something that either military or astronauts or special forces or whatever did instead i learned that it was something that people could take on as a sport 
And the thing that's funny is, as, as I did many things in my life, uh, you know, going to the jungle was just another crazy idea, you know, motorcycle races and gangs and all kinds of different things that I did. Um, I, you know, I, I had um, wanted to do it only once. So I was offered a five-jump package, and the cost of the first jump was about 70% of the, the entire package, and the, rest, the other three or four jumps were only like 30%. And I was like, no, I'm not interested. I'm only going to do this once. <laughs> and uh, when I, it was like, yeah, I now have almost 29,000 jumps. Wow. The information you, you read earlier um, was actually a little bit, uh, needs to be updated a little bit. I'm almost at 29,000 jumps now <laughs> and over 20,000 camera jumps. Um, and, but when I, when I jumped, I remember my, my entourage, which was my friends and stuff, siblings, and they were, came over to see me jump. And I, I landed in the middle of cornfield somewhere in a round parachute, and they came running to me, and they were like, "Oh my God, what what was that like? You're you're crazy. What was that like?" And I was like, "I'm going to do this for the rest of my life." Wow. wow. <laughs> and uh, and and I had you know this was like such a small taste of it, and then uh, I couldn't wait to put my camera on. Uh, I was trying since you know day one and of course they were holding me back like you can't do that you got to learn how to skydive first. You can't just <laughs> <laughs> but but I just kind of rushed it yeah i just rushed it and went to it and i have photos of my first camera jump and my little instamatic it was a wind-up uh, mechanical thing that only shot about four pictures before you would run out of the spring <laughs> um <laughs> and uh and the two were, became parallel passions and i always said if somebody uh said hey you're having too much fun you can only choose one passion. Then I would have to choose photography because I, I have this passion no matter what I'm shooting. It's not exclusive to, to skydiving. Yeah. And skydiving, but skydiving is a, a unique world that I became fascinated by. And it's also become fascinating as a cinematographer because it's a world of fantasy. It's a world where when you exit the airplane, you go into this dream world where you are flying. You're yeah. no longer, uh, you're not falling. We are falling, but what happens is since we all sort of follow similar speeds and other people are falling with you, when you're looking at them, you're going like, oh, wow, you're right there just floating. You know? <laughs> and, and, if so, and if somebody's above you 100 yards or 200 yards, you go, I think I'll go up there. And you change your body position to... Uh, fall slower than them and spill air at a certain angle and you're able to go upward to them so in your mind you're flying yeah. up to them yeah and uh, and That's if you psycho. see somebody you know somebody uh literally uh, a thousand feet below you you know you look down and go wow i gotta catch up and you just dart yourself down there and go you know at whatever speed you can to to go fast faster than them and you get there and you flare you, you stop your body you go to the same body position and from being a thousand feet, you, you can give them a kiss in, in a matter of seconds, you know? So you're like really literally flying around. And it's not until our, our altimeters warn us that we're, and the smells and the temperature and all that warns us that we're getting close to earth yeah. and our dream must, must end. So it is a unique world. It's full of uh, um, magic and it's full of dynamics and it's full of beauty. And it's also full of uh, circumstances that make it even more difficult we only can do it a few day, times a day, so it's something that you end up, uh, you know, really having to tune your mind and your body to getting what you're going to get uh, photography-wise in that one yeah. minute. It's about yeah. a minute of working time 
And if you do it five or six times, imagine any director, you can say, hey, you got five minutes of working time for the whole day or, you know, or 10 even yeah. uh, in one minute increments. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you can't talk <laughs> and all this other stuff. It's like it, it becomes a challenge. But that's what makes that so much more beautiful, you know. So um, I think my passion itself uh, is what uh, made me stand out. And that's why the people started calling me for these kind of projects and stuff. So I know I talk a lot, so I'm going to pass it back oh, to you. No, it's, no, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's, yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> what sort of time do you have free-falling before you have to pull the chute? And how fast are you going? It, yeah, it depends on, on the discipline. Um, and when you're doing belly flying, let's say, when your belly's to earth, uh, yeah. which is it's about 120 miles an hour. Wow. Uh, and you and you have about uh, 60 seconds of working time from exit to deployment. You also have to factor in that you need a little bit of time to separate from each other because the goal is always to come together, whether it's for filming or building a formation or yeah. a world record size formation or something. So you need a little time to go find your, a little space for yourself so you can uh, not tangle your parachutes and stuff and stay safe. Uh, there's also the time it takes to get set up. So like uh, when we're filming, it's not uh, it's not abnormal uh, to spend the 60 seconds uh, mostly in the setup and you get uh, one or two or three takes at one second uh, to five seconds each, you know, because everything is editing later. It's not a continuous shot for that long. Uh, there's other disciplines that are going 180 miles an hour yeah. uh, instead of 120. So and what's interesting about that, for instance, is when I was saying, if you see somebody a, th- a thousand feet below you, well, if it's somebody going 120, maybe you go at 180 to, to, to keep catch up with them as so you're approaching them at 60 miles per hour. But if they're already 180, <laughs> you got to get yourself going at uh, 230 or whatever, which is not easy to do to try to catch up. And in, in fact, each discipline has its own technology. For instance, uh, the ones that go uh, um, 180 miles an hour, which is head down. Yeah. Um, that would be something where you almost do the opposite. In other words, the center, the nucleus of the formation in skydiving, this is skydiving world now, not not talking filming. Uh, the, the, the nucleus, let's say, ends up exiting last because it's a lot easier to slow your body uh, and catch up from below to the meeting point, let's say, than it is to try to accelerate more than they're already going so fast okay. and try to catch up. So those things are, are just technology, but it's all the same dream world. So that's the speeds. Wow. That's incredible. I didn't realize fast. it was quite nice. And fast. then there's also the people that try to break the records. I think the records are right around three, uh, 307 or something, 300 miles. Oh, oh my wow. God. Yeah, just going going head down is quite uh, quite uh, difficult to do. It's like driving with Ellie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize you had such limited time. How <laughs> I didn't realize you had such limited time in the air. I thought you had much more time. No, we don't. And what happens is, um, again, like let's say you're going to meet 100 people in free fall. So you're going to need a lot of time to separate. Yeah. And you're already going 180 miles an hour and you got to open your parachute by 3,000 feet. So then let's say you open it. If you were to leave at 13,000, you got to start, uh, you know, flying apart from each other at about 6,000. So that limits the amount of working time. So what we do when we need the extra working time for like world records and things like that. We go to higher altitudes with oxygen. So we'll go like the 21,000 feet or, or something like that, 18,000, 20,000. And it gets much harder. It gets very, uh, you know, it's harder on the body. And it's also when things go wrong, like oxygen or whatever, it's 
the higher you are, the, the less you last without the oxygen. So just yeah. taking the oxygen out of your mouth and then climbing out of the airplane, hanging on outside, waiting for everybody else to climb out and all that pretty soon, you know, 10, 20 seconds later, you're, you're almost exhausted before you even leave. Wow. So. Yeah. Wow. So what sort of like physical toll does it have on your body doing like so many skydives in a row? You know, I think it's not it's not really that uh, that much. It's uh, the, the body com- uh, decompresses and, and compresses very very good. Um, there's not no any side effects to really be known. In fact, it's one of the activities that or one of the sports uh, that you don't really have to leave when you're young. You know, there's people that are skydiving. It. Uh, I'm I'm uh, 65 tomorrow. Wow. Oh, happy, uh, early happy birthday! birthday. Yeah, thank you. Happy birthday <laughs> tomorrow. And uh, and so and I started in my uh, one day after my 19th birthday. So that's how long I've been skydiving now since wow. 1975. Wow. Um, and uh, and it's it's really not a, a not physical. It's really a lot of just more mental mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Um, you really got to get out of your uh, your fears and get out of your own way to to perform the things that you got to perform. Yeah. It's not it's, when it's hard on the body is really more when there's a problem and there's, right. you know, if you if you open your parachute wrong with a camera helmet on and, you know, you tweak your neck and, and hurt yourself or if you something goes wrong, turbulence, you land hard, you break something Oof. or somebody it's, else hits you and, you know, there's impacts and there are accidents and things like that. But uh, the actual activity of going up and down, up and down is really not uh, that, that okay. bad on your body. I just really want to do it. Me too. I've always wanted to, but you just, just hearing you, we, just hearing we, you describe I think, it, I, think we need I to make really, it really want to now. We should. We should. We <laughs> should what was that? that? He needs, we need to make it a what? A requirement. Oh, my we make word. It a requirement. Anytime we do a podcast that everybody has to be going I'll tell you what. First. You guys jump. I'll be on the ground <laughs> calling the action from underneath. <laughs> Until we can get a, a situation where you can, like, I, can, I can do the narration as I fall. I think, I think that's the best way. Yeah. <laughs> Until we're all experienced enough to take a camera up with us, you yeah. can be the cameraman that's from the ground. I'll tell you what, Norman, it's really interesting because as you're describing it and getting out on the wing, I can feel myself getting anxious. George is smiling like she can't wait to do this. It sounds amazing. There's a a couple of videos that I recommend you look at from my YouTube library when we're done with with this and stuff. It might give you some uh, insight as to what I'm talking about. One of them in particular, I believe I titled it Never Give Up, something like that. So if you can look for it... um, under my channel and, and YouTube, uh, it's a Norman Kent ch- uh, channel, and it's uh, again never give up is one of them. The other one is called the moment moments lived. It's called the other one. The never give up is uh, is an interesting story because it's a situation where we we climbed out of the airplane on a world record, and there um, there was a problem with one of the airplanes, so they aborted the jump, and. Uh, I was uh, the first one to get out, which means I was farther out uh, to the tail of the airplane. Yeah. And when they aborted, people started climbing back in. And as people start climbing back in, one of the things they didn't understand, and they never understood until then, it's like, please don't go inside. Because basically, once they go inside and the airplane start flying again to go around to try again, to try to resolve the other problem, now uh, they're, the, uh, they're blocking the wind normally. Yeah. Uh, so when they go back inside and I'm not in front of the door, I had to climb through handles further back than the door. Now I'm stuck back there with the propeller blasting on me yeah. and I, it's hard to get back in. So they kind of left me out there and wow. I went through a whole experience of, of what happened to me and, and what my thoughts were and my thoughts of letting go and my thoughts of, 
and the intuition and, and um, that I had about what would happen if I let go. And, uh, and that whole thing, a little dramatic, uh, my little experience is all shared in that video. It's only about seven minutes or something, but it's, uh, it's an interesting, uh, we'll give it a, we'll, we'll definitely, definitely. we'll give it a watch and we'll give it a tweet out from the account. So yeah, everybody who's listening to this yeah. right now can take a look at, we were watching actually some of the videos on your, on your YouTube channel just, just yeah, earlier in the day, yeah, actually. Yeah. So yeah, so we, we definitely found that. What was the other one called? Sorry. You said never give up and. You think you and the other one was, I believe, Moments Lived. Moments okay. lived. And this was more of a story of when, uh, on something where I I, um, I was actually asked to do something I didn't want to do, which was, you know, like, basically leave the airplane to signal the other airplane when to leave. So, in other words, when you see a body leaving, because there's multiple airplanes, and, and you can't just go, hey, you know, wave at each other. Yeah. <laughs> so they're far apart. So you kind of go, okay, when one body leaves, that's the key for other everybody else to leave. And then I thought, well, yeah, but, you know, they, they asked me to please do that. But I'm like, I'm filming this exit. Now, if I leave, now I'm on my, by myself leaving, and there goes my shot. And in the process of doing that, I discovered a new shot oh, that wow. I had never That's thought cool. about. And I was like, oh, my God, look at this. That I, if, I hadn't, if I hadn't been doing this, I would have never thought it uh, or seen it. And then, uh, so then, you know, it was beautiful, but I, there was full of imperfections from the camera I was wearing because it was not a professional job. Um, and from the camera I was wearing to the circumstances to what I didn't know that now I would have known how to do, um, you know, wouldn't have surprised me so much. And, uh, you know, when I landed, uh, they decided to go back up and try again. And, you know, now the light was even nicer. And I was like, oh yeah, I have 15 minutes and <laughs> nice. I switched my cameras to my red camera, my professional camera and, and, uh, and, and just rushed all that just to be, to be able to ex- execute what I what I saw. And it was just a beautiful moment of, of uh, finding myself, uh, you know, finding some new world um, within this world, you know, and within this the thing that I have so much experience of yet, there's always a way to find new angles. And then um, going after a shot and being persistent about it, and then, you know, finding that magical shot. So it's a really cute story. And it's also very short. So it's worth a look. Actually, definitely yeah, will. Yeah, will. Thank you. yeah, you know what's funny is we haven't talked about what you asked me first, which was Kingsman. I was just, <laughs> I was, just about to bring us. I was just about to bring us back round. There was there was a propeller blowing in my face. I had to sort of give it a little bit of extra muscle. Um, so Kingsman. I mean, uh, at what point in the process do they get in contact with you and let you know? what they're thinking about and what is that process like do they kind of tell you what they're looking for do you negotiate kind of what it might sort of set up how does that how does the, the creative side of it come about well it it varies from project to project in this case first of all most of the time you get contacted um uh, and you know there's already a concept in mind and so on um in this case the original contact came through a friend of mine uh, who we're competitors, but we're also colleagues, and we work together in a lot of projects. His name is Craig O'Brien, and I always want to give him credit because we work together a lot, and he's brought me into a lot of these projects, and Kingsman was one of them. We worked together on Godzilla. We worked together on Kingsman. We've worked together on uh, multiple commercials. Um, uh, you know, just we, we're, we're great friends, and we, we, we do all kinds of things together. Uh, so anyway, the he got the call, and we came in, and uh, the concept was already presented to us. We and they're very secretive usually at, at this point. Um, so we were doing the sequence, uh, and the sequence wasn't very exciting the way it was set up. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just very, uh, it wasn't very dynamic. It had a lot of uh, belly flying. I described what belly flying was earlier, yeah. which is fine, but it just didn't have the power of what they were trying to portray, which was all this other danger that added to it and a lot of the playfulness and a lot of stuff that reads better in other disciplines. And uh, so the director of photography was not happy with what what was coming out. And literally on site, uh, we started brainstorming with him and he started looking at YouTube videos and going like, I want this, I want this mm-hmm. kind of dynamics. I want, and we're going like, yeah, well, this is, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> different than what you designed, you know? <laughs> so we started co- contributing to what ideas we had and so on. And it was actually really on the fly kind of situation because we, <laughs> on the we fly. ended up, uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I, really, because, oh, yeah, I said no pun intended. Uh, but, <laughs> but it was really like, literally, for instance, we had to find people that were happened to be there that had that were comfortable with a new discipline. Uh, one of them was my son, who was working as my assistant there. So it was like, he was a great free flyer. And um, and it was like, yeah, let's put him in. So, uh, you know, we literally grabbed from, from the crew like that to be able to do this. And we redesigned the whole sequence and... So all that was designed on the field by us, uh, you know, and very much uh, the director of the, of, the, of the second unit who was in charge of everything. And he was pretty much directing all of it. And we were just making suggestions to him on what would work best and so on. And then uh, both of us, Craig and myself, we were both um, different separate cameras, different. And we would uh, take turns, you know, not take turns at jumping, but more like sometimes you have a whole group that you have to shoot, but sometimes mm-hmm. you have to shoot a close-up of one person or somebody diving by or like whatever. So we would split up and go, you go with this person, you go with this other one, and then you design the choreography and then you go and execute. And so this is one of those projects where a lot of it was modified on the field and it just made it that much more uh, interesting for us because then we get to really design stuff and we get to really play with it and we get to really contribute other than just executing a pre-existing plan. So this was one of those that was like that. And we were happy to be able to change the personality of the sequence to make it one of the most exciting sequences in the, in the film and, nice. and uh, make, uh, you know, very big contribution to the film. So that always really um, plays well, you know, when, when you do something like that. No, fully. Um, each film is different though. You know, so fully agree. I mean, it comes off as one of the stronger scenes in the film and it's definitely in the middle of kind of which just kind of middle of a second act kind of thing it just it stands out as this as this critical moment um so you mentioned how do you do it so that uh, when you have multiple cameramen flying like how much strategy is there involved to make sure you don't end up in each other's shots like what's the choreography of that like well i mean there's a couple of possibilities depending on what you're doing in some cases just going 10 seconds apart from each other puts you you know far enough where it just becomes dots in the sky other times you ask for a different go around. You take the whole, they take the airplane and say, okay, you three get out. And then we go around and uh, two minutes later, the other, the other group gets out. So if you, we separate them when, so we can have our own sky that way. Or like I say, sometimes it's like you get out and then we'll wait uh, 10 seconds and then we'll get out and then we're separated horizontally and you don't really see each other again. And it's safe. It's, we do that uh, for safety also. So that's uh, a lot of what we do. And, uh, and one of the things that's interesting, for instance, is it's a, um, it's really important to have the whole film or the sequence in your mind uh, and to really choreograph it well, because it, it, like, like in any other film, you don't never do it linearly. You never shoot it the way it's going to be appear on the screen. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's more like a, you know, like I remember in get smart shooting, get smart. I, I shot that as a splinter unit. We were our, our own, the director uh, uh, trusted us with the, with the whole sequence that I, 
designed and um and it was uh you know the, the whole design was presented to me first but i designed how it would be executed and um and it was interesting because you actually can kind of do it in, in a spreadsheet where you go okay all of these shots that we have to do what camera settings you know the frame rate what is the lens you're going to use what time of the day what player what outfit what you know everything that you, mm-hmm. what airplane do you need all these other things and you put it into a spreadsheet and figure out oh okay so we could do on this jump we could do this shot and this shot and this shot because they share the same uh, uh, the same outfit the same time of the day or whatever an example would be where you go okay i'm going to shoot a sequence of somebody's diving by when they dive by fast they go so far from you when they stop uh that it takes time to recover mm-hmm. so but then I also need a deployment of somebody else. So maybe what we do is we set up the choreography where as long as it shares the same lens and same time of the day and all that, you know, where maybe we set up the choreography where I'm shooting at the person that's diving and somebody else is sitting behind me just off camera. So as soon as they go by and I'm done with that shot, I turn around and I, there's somebody else waiting their turn. So <laughs> now we, 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 and then we set up the light the way it's supposed to be because you always have to respect the continuity and the light, the, mm-hmm. the sun position and all that. So we do this little dance to set up and then go, okay, now. So then, boom, they deploy and I go, well, look up at them and they go. Now I, now they leave. And now I turn around and look for the next player. You know what I mean? And so we're actually doing little choreography like that where when you have somebody on the screen, it doesn't mean there's not something else to do when they're gone. Yeah. You know? and so there's all these uh, things you try to ma- uh, maximize the, the number of shots you can get in, in, in there. But there's always this, again, the logistics of lenses and, and settings and all that to match so you can do that kind of stuff and sometimes when things go wrong if you know what you need to film and the players are good enough mm-hmm. like i had this guy that i always loved working with his name is guy manos he was the writer of drop zone oh okay. wesley snipes yeah he was also the writer the writer for um cutaway uh, cool. with uh with tom berenger and and um uh, Stephen baldwin okay um and um uh, I was on that one, uh, by the way, that film was one of the my, my nicest projects because I was a director of photography of the whole aerial unit. So my credit was in front of film instead of behind there with all scrolling <laughs> credits and yeah. thousands of names. You know, it, it was in the front of the film, which was really nice. But anyway, working with him was always a pleasure because when something went wrong and all I had to do is do eye contact with him and he'd go, I know what to do. And he would perform something that he knew we were going to need anyway. And I knew uh, what he was going to perform because I knew we were going to need it. I knew it required him. So a lot of times just when you go, oh, shit, this went wrong. And and uh, and you find somebody, some other player, if you can understand each other and go like, okay, I'm about to do this, which was unplanned. And you go, yeah, I know exactly how we're going to use it. And then we do it and we and we perform it. And then we come down and we're like, oh, that's great. We grabbed this great piece, sometimes even better than designed because we didn't just give up you know we yeah. kind of like knew okay let's salvage this or or the or this or we had extra time or whatever than than what we had uh, originally planned for so it's really uh, that's what i'm saying is can you see why i get into it oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. 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 all of all of that yeah, like all the different shots all the different setups and those that all happens in the 60 seconds you have when you, for each yes it, 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 all that happens and again sometimes <laughs> it's only two or three seconds or whatever but it all happens in the 60 seconds and then you got to reload and or re you know change magazines change uh, media whatever and yeah. and all these other things and uh, i did a project for instance we were talking about earlier i'm going to throw something else in here that's unplanned um yeah, well. the the um i did a project which was really interesting 
uh, called the 60 cycles. And the reason why I mention it is because we were talking earlier about the logistics. And this project, the spreadsheet, went on and on and on <laughs> off the screen. I mean, it just went because the circumstances were so great as far as all the different setups and different things and different everything from what suit I would wear to the time of the day, the lens, the settings, the players, uh, you know, the altitude of the airplane, which airplane it was going to be, all these other things. And you had to try to be efficient with everything. For example, if you say, well, let's make sure that I don't have to change my suit to not waste time. Um, I should first tell you what, it, what the project was about. 60 Cycles was a project in where I attempted to do 60 jumps in one day. Wow. And only during daylight and to celebrate my 60th birthday. Mm -hmm. And because I'm a filmmaker, it wasn't about the jumps. People do that, do that um, and they'll accomplish that fairly easy because all they want to do is get out, deploy, land, go back up, get out, deploy, land, yeah. very low to the ground, right. no free fall, no nothing, just do add the numbers, add the numbers yeah, so they yeah, can yeah, make yeah. 60 jumps. For me, I want to do 60 portraits, 60 shots, 60 dynamics, 60 different costumes, 60 different uh, uh, you know, the disciplines, cool. different things and, and, uh, people that I love, uh, my siblings, my, you know, models that I've worked with, um, my wife, uh, you know, all these different players that, uh, world champions, whoever could make it sponsors and take different kinds of, of portraits. Some of them were, um, like, you know, people like my siblings, they didn't want to jump. They were like, I'm, we're not jumping. You know, and going, <laughs> okay, fine. So here's what we're going to do. Here's the plan. We're going to strap you down to these other people they're going to be dressed in black so we don't see them and they're going to put you right on the door with your feet dangling out and stuff i'm going to be outside the airplane and i'm going to shoot your faces and then i'm going to leave and then you're going to be just getting smaller and smaller as i fall away and that's your portrait you know like and that's a certain altitude and so the whole thing was just a dynamic super hard thing to do some jumps required me to go to altitude some jumps required me not and when we go okay let's make sure that we don't waste time on me changing suits because different suits are for different discipline then all of a sudden we go like, yeah, well, now, now so for you not to change suits, now we got to change lenses every time, <laughs> you know, or yeah, we got to yeah. change aircraft every time, you know, and the guy with the airplane is going, wait a minute, I'm, I mean, I'm sponsoring this, but <laughs> at least do two or three jumps on the same airplane. So then you got to change everything to prioritize the airplane. Now that has me changing jumpsuits every time. So to make all the elements work and flow as efficient as possible was a complete nightmare. <laughs> but it was really well done by my, my wife, Caroline, who's a, a database architect, and she loves uh, the logistics and loves data and, and loves, uh, you know, you know, handling these kind of situations. So we did a really good job, and it was amazing. I ended up only doing 49 jumps, okay. uh, culmin culminating with a jump uh, – which was a uh, jump of the uh, Olympics, uh, not the Olympics, the, the flags of Mexico and U.S. flying together. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and we also did um, a jump where it was really funny because this, this one was fun. Each one, I, I'm, I'm going to make a, a film about each one of these jumps because <laughs> it was really, and it was never about the jumps, by the way, and the number of jumps. It was, I put 60 cycles there, but it was more important for me to make sure that I would spend time with my family, the yeah. people that were there. Uh, that uh, that I did the portraits and all that, that numbers didn't matter as much. So we got to 49. And um, one of them, which was really funny, is uh, they designed this formation in the shape of 60, the six and zero wow. made of bodies. And I'm at this point, I'm like cross-eyed and, and, and I would land and I literally couldn't remember the, 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 the plan. So I would just land and go, what, what am I doing next? You got to change suits. You got to do this. And I would land, they take my helmet, um, and uh, go set it up and stuff while I change suits or whatever I had to do and get some fluids in me and 
and I'd, I'd get instructions on what I'm doing. And I designed every single one of them, but I didn't know which one was next, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and then, so they say, okay, you're going out. I can't go to the altitude anymore. I'm exhausted. You know, I was having a hard time pulling my parachute, deploying my parachute and all these things that were going through my mind. Um, I remember even I'm doing a lot of side stories as I go to the story that I'm leading to, but as I was going, I was starting to have trouble deploying my parachute and I was going like, God, I, I, you know, I can't deploy. I'm having a hard time deploying. I'm, I'm having more trouble of men handling this helmet than I thought I was going to be. And, um, and then I'd go, should I tell them? And I go, well, if I tell them, they'll ground me because there was somebody there ready to ground me if I started acting funny. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going like, I don't want them to ground me. He says, well, okay, so what do you do? He says, well, but, but if you then if you die, then you created this whole thing so for people to watch you die. It's like, that's not a cool thing either. You know, <laughs> no. your, your siblings and everybody coming over <laughs> to just watch you get hurt or something. That's not, that's not cool. So I, and then I'd land, I'd feel better and go like, okay, I'll do one more. And then if I have to, I'll tell them. And then I go through another experience and go, Oh my God, you know? And then in this one, I went to, I have to go and say, you have to go to altitude. I'm going, I have to go to altitude. And so I'd go to 12,000 feet instead of jumping at six or seven. I was designing. So every time I had only about uh, five or six seconds of working time, do yeah. the shot, open my parachute, get down, go, go again. Yeah. Uh, but this one required time for them to build a formation. And I'm going like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll do it, you know, and we're getting free fall and I get underneath to shoot it against the sky. Cause that's how you can see the, the number better. This is the way I designed it. And, uh, this is the way I thought I communicated it. And I'm looking at it and looking at it and looking at the people forming and I'm literally cross-eyed and I'm going like, what the hell? I cannot see what they're building. I cannot understand where's the 60. I'm, and I'm going like, okay, as it, as it builds, I'll understand it. Cause I'm trying to position myself so you can read it. <laughs> you know, and then I, there's a point where I go, I can't find it. I can't find it. I can't find it. I'm going like, okay, here's what you're going to do. Just go back to survival mode, position yourself directly below, shoot up, and then you'll re you'll flop the film whichever way it needs to be flopped to make it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just position yourself in a way that it will be able to be done and stop trying to read the number. Okay. You know, and just you're, you're, and then I, it, and, and even when I when the jump was extensive. over, I was like. As well, filmmaking I never goes more and more towards computer-generated so stuff and CGI it turns out and blue that they screens built and stayed inside right one room, <laughs> is there any part of you as a filmmaker that is concerned that like, we're oh going to lose well, the practical effect the Each jump will have of, like of moments that, like this captured on film? But anyway, once again, you know, um, that, there's, there's a, several answers to that question. The first answer is that, let me see. I'll, I guess I'll answer first the, the technical side of it, which you asked me, which is, am I worried that, uh, let's say, CG would replace the real thing, yeah. pretty much? And um, we w wondered about that ourselves, but every time I've worked in a film, we actually talk about this with the CG people, because we're always doing stuff also to help them, wherever there's going to be a face replacement. Uh, we've got to make sure that it matches uh, the direction of the light, uh, the way they shoot, shot the actor to have the face replacement work and all these other things and other elements that are in free fall. And they want to make sure that uh, the back, I do a lot of plates, you know, where we shoot backgrounds for whatever they're doing. And all of these things, we're always in, in interacting with our, with the departments, uh, the, the graphics department. And, and I've always gotten the same response all the way back from when we did a, a film with Jan de Bont 
Uh, it was a, a Coca-Cola commercial with about 400 skydivers, but we only used about eight skydivers to create this because they would replicate him. They would make the skydivers do a certain maneuver and then replicate him and turn them into hundreds of them and, and created this three-dimensional bottle in free fall. And uh, it was really a beautiful project. And uh, we, uh, this was, uh, you know, something that was with digital domain at the time. And uh, we always ask that, and the response even recently has been the same, which is, oh, no, we always need the organic. Excellent. Keep telling That's it's nice. We, we really uh, need the organic to recreate the stuff. To, to It's really hard to, to recreate it uh, without that. And it's also when you own oh, – I've seen films that use no skydiving and have skydiving scenes or some kind of parachute scenes, and they don't look the same. Because there's a part there's a part where you really have to see the real to believe the the uh, non organic you know mm-hmm. to believe the, the the special effects. The same thing happens with like in Cutaway. I was telling you that example, and the same thing happens when you're when you're at the scene, the scene. And I was very much responsible for that scene in that film, the scene where you m- meet the actors that are not skydiving with the doubles, where the yeah. scenes cut the the scenes cut together. That scene. Um, one of the things where uh, we always noticed it was failing, but in this case, because Guy Manos was a buddy of mine and he was a skydiver and we've been used to working together for so long, we got together and said, how are we going to do better than any other film like Drop Zone and other films like that that even had more money? Um, and the answer for me was very easy when he asked me that question. The answer is, you know, they take these guys in the studio, light them all real pretty because that's part of their contract and they have all these uh you know, lights everywhere. And, you know, I don't have, a, I'm not in the planet of six suns, you know, I just like, and with diffusers either, <laughs> you know, it's like I have to deal with the sun and that's it, you know? Yeah. So we try to talk him into shooting the actors outside in, in platforms and hanging in places where you could shoot him with handheld cameras and stuff, but very little uh, lighting assistance and using the sun as the main lighting. It didn't do for such a pretty shot for the actor's face, but you can do that on the rest of the film. And this was the time to make it look like it was real. So when they cut with our scenes, it looked much more realistic because mm-hmm. they they accommod- uh, they, they uh, basically went to our world. It's like, okay, these guys have to shoot with only the sun. Then let's shoot that with only the sun and have it match. It's, so it's the same thing in the CG is like, they want things to match. They want things. So, so they welcome the, the real stuff. And sometimes Good. they make the real, the real shots sometimes become not as real. So they, so the CG looks more real. You see what I mean? It's yeah, not, yeah, the real yeah. looks real. And now yeah, the yeah. CG has to look as real as reality. Yeah. Instead, they dumb up some of the, the, the real shots and make them look more computer uh, animated in that way they the two meet in the middle a little yeah, bit yeah it's not it's as uh, stark a contrast in that regard then yeah, i suppose yeah, exactly well that's absolutely brilliant i w- it's can't, amazing. can't say enough how <laughs> grateful we are to have had this this time with you. Um, what a great insight. Just scratch the surface, but, yeah. but uh, I have learned, if, if I thought where was this going when I first sat down, it wouldn't have been this, but I've learned so much as a result Same. Uh, of this. Your passion is infectious to the point where if I was in a plane now, I might jump out, but tomorrow <laughs> it's not going to be the case. It's not going to fly tomorrow. But, but in this brief moment, I probably would take, take the plunge and scream uh, fear of death the whole way. But yeah. I really want um, to. Your, your enthusiasm for skydiving and for filmmaking is 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 infectious and it's plain to see even after an extensive career as you've had how much you're still um as the kids would say buzzing about yeah. about yeah. what it is that you do and uh, thank you so much 
Yeah, thank you for coming on. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. And, uh, you know, one last thing I wanted to add is that uh, I shared with you the story on how my passion started for cinematography and photography. And that has remained consistent up, up to today. I, I love what I do because I love uh, sharing the beauty that I see. And um, this world in skydiving just happens to be one one place to, to do that. But the, the drive and the motivation has always remained the same. So I, I will stay true to that and always will be. I feel fortunate and lucky. And I also feel uh, fortunate to have opportunities like this that you guys have provided to be able to explore this world because uh, in conversation because it's a way to share it. It's a way to share uh, with others uh, that maybe even find something for themselves yeah. in, in this kind of conversation. And also, uh, it's a great way for me to relive those moments. It's awesome. Absolutely. We love to listen. So maybe maybe we'll do it again sometime. Absolutely. We'll, we'll do a part two. Absolutely love to. Uh, we are very much the fortunate ones here. We are. Uh, Norman, thank you so much. You're welcome. And uh, I just let me know where I can actually see the replays and stuff of this. And if you need some visual material to help out with this, I have all kinds of stuff that can help uh, with the, uh, you know, uh, enhancement of this uh, yeah. pod. Absolutely. Fantastic. Absolutely. We'll go ahead and we'll throw that stuff out there. Absolutely. Okay. And sh- watch those two little films. We will. No, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We will. We've, we've took notes. <laughs> <laughs> I've written them down. <laughs> Thank you Thanks so much. again. And we'll see you next time. We'll do. Take care. Thank Take you. care. Thank buddy. you. Bye. Wow, that was great, wasn't it? That was all right, wasn't it? <laughs> I just love listening to that. I was so engrossed in the stories. Cool. Yeah, he is oh cool. my goodness, I want him to be my dad. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go right. skydiving with him. And that was our conversation with Norman Kent. Um, obviously, uh, we when we recorded this, we had to uh, go right back, and uh, we were halfway through our review of Kingsman, actually, when, when we had the chance to talk to him. And so we went back into it. And we didn't have a natural conclusion. So what I'm doing here. Uh, I would say the two videos that he speaks about, which is uh, Moments Lived and Never Give Up, are both incredibly inspirational stories uh, about uh, one being the importance of, well, as it says in the tin, not, not giving up. And you hear Norman's passion, and we've gone ahead and we've uh, added both of these videos as uh, notices at the bottom of the episode notes here. And the second one, uh, Moments Lived, there's something about that um, where he speaks about the importance of he was trying to get a shot and uh, missed it and felt that he'd, he'd missed an opportunity as a result and then took a moment and went but just because I didn't catch it doesn't mean I didn't experience it. And if that was what that was, then that's worth it. And I encourage you to go ahead and listen to that because he says it far more eloquently and with the visuals <laughs> than, 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 than I did. Um, but it speaks to someone who's got absolute passion for his art, but also incredible passion for life itself. And uh, it is infectious. And uh, if I may be a little bit poetic on the backside of this, um, I feel better for having for having met and had a chance to talk to Norman, um, someone who's so positive about about what the day can bring and what life can bring. Uh, it's hard to walk away from that and not be affected somewhat. So we want to say from all of us here at the BFE, a million thank yous to Norman for spending some time talking about Kingsman and his career at large and his, and his perspective on skydiving, his, his perspective on cinematography, and, and more importantly, his perspective on life. So that's it from us. Uh, catch all the usual stuff we do uh, here at the BFE. 
But uh, I would strongly, one more time, just encourage you, go ahead, watch those videos, and maybe be a little bit inspired yourself, and uh, become a, hopefully become a fan of Norman's just like just like we have. Uh, he couldn't have been more accommodating, and a thousand thank yous, even without him on the other end of the line now, from us to him, uh, for, for, for making some time. We are better for his uh, presence this week. So uh, that's it. Check us out next week when we tackle uh, Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, this is Thursday, so tomorrow you will catch our uh, real roundtable on Tom Hanks, Hanks for Memories. And on Saturday, you've got episode two on Sonic Saturday of me and Ethan talking about Dalek from the Christopher Eccleston first series of the reboot of Doctor Who. So. Uh, That's where we'll leave things here. Uh, Have a great day, and we'll catch you on the flippity-flop. Flippity-flop.